take one step. Break down whatever idea you have into really, really small steps and start taking them. And if you enjoy it, momentum is going to take bigger steps. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. And today in the guest chair, we have an awesome side hustler turned full-time entrepreneur who actually launched her business during the pandemic. Talk about inspiration. Her name is Temidayo Adedokun, and she is the founder of Adeanayo. A Nigerian-Canadian living in the U.S., Temidayo's Nigerian culture has been a constant source of pride and joy for her. When she found out that she was pregnant with her first baby, she was eager to fill his world with pieces that reminded her of home and would introduce her son to the beauty of African cultures. But her search for these pieces revealed a huge gap. She couldn't find clothes in traditional African colors and patterns that would be comfortable enough and soft enough for daily wear. Plus, any African-inspired nursery decor was all safari-themed and too expensive. So she was saddened but determined to provide a solution. And that is how her line, Ade and Ayo, was born. Launched in October of 2020, Ayo is a collection of beautifully crafted pieces that make the African aesthetic practical for the littlest among us, while keeping things modern and affordable for parents. Ayo collections prioritize artisan-crafted products, bamboo and organic cotton textiles, and eco-friendly practices. And a portion of proceeds from each sale goes to improve educational opportunities for young children in sub-Saharan Africa. I really love this brand when I came across it and was so impressed. I just had to have Tammy Dayo in the guest chair. In this episode, I really love what Tammy Dayo, a former attorney turned creative entrepreneur, had to share about the mindset work she's done to let go of fear and limiting beliefs and commit fully to launching her business. I think it's something that we all need over and over again. So let's get right into it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I am so excited to have you. You know, it's always so nice to come across a line of clothing that is, you know, representative of African print and African culture, specifically Nigerian culture. And to find out the person behind it is Nigerian. <laughs> Yes. That is not always the case. Exactly. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Give us a peek into the life of Tammy Dayo. Yeah. So I was born in Nigeria in Lagos and uh, left when I was pretty young. We moved to Canada. Um, and while in Canada, we moved around to different cities. There was a lot of transition happening in my life when I was really young. And just Nigerian culture was so important. It was a pivotal thing that we always turned back to when we thought about who are we, right? We're these Nigerian Canadians and that's part of our identity. So that's kind of where my love of African culture comes from. It's just this constant thing that was in my life that allowed me to have stability in the midst of lots of change. In terms of where who I am now, I mean, I'm a mom. I, I have a 16-month-old son. I was an attorney for about five years before jumping into a day in aisle. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the gist of who I am. <laughs> 
you mentioned that you started this while you were doing that juggle. So tell us a little bit about your side hustle journey. Like what was your initial career path and how long were you in that career path before creating at AIO? Yes. Uh, so I think it starts off when I was um, quite young. Like I, I grew up a lot around entrepreneurs. My parents left Nigeria and once they found some sort of career stability in um, Canada, they were immediately looking for business opportunities on the side. So they were always trying something new, whether it was a convenience store or a nursing agency. And interestingly, that actually created an aversion in me toward entrepreneurship. Um, they didn't, it didn't look easy, frankly. It looks like a lot of work. Right. <laughs> um, it was just very challenging. They could never really catch their footing. And then on top of that, there was a lot of encouragement for my parents to choose a more traditional path. Um, they left their country seeking better for us kids. And so I remember being five and being handed uh, a doctor's kit and it was like here practice this because you're going to be a doctor <laughs> if you don't want to do very that subtle, you can be a lawyer subtle. yeah you can be a lawyer you can be an engineer but those are really your options so enjoy um so that led me and I was a pleaser growing up so that led me to really hone in on those options um I began with the direction of med school got to organic chemistry in late in high school and just didn't love it and so pivoted to wanting to do law and once I had that in mind, I was dead focused on accomplishing that goal and doing it in the best way possible. So right after undergrad, I went to law school. I went to Yale for law school. And the vision in going to law school was, I think I can be an advocate. I've always had a heart for meeting people where they are and kind of helping them raise their voices, right? So that's what I wanted to do through the law. And I just wasn't able to, it just didn't feel right to me. Um, I would say probably from like second semester onward, I was dissatisfied. It wasn't the place I wanted to be. I wasn't enjoying the work I was doing. I, I tried so many areas of the law trying to find the right fit and nothing allowed me to balance sort of meeting interesting people and supporting their journeys, but also doing work that felt creative and in, empowering to me, right? That kind of balance I was looking for. So I'd say the journey to Idenio actually began midway through law school, where I just started to ask myself, what are you going to do? Like, this is not going to be the long-term answer. Um, you'll probably need to do the law for a little bit because you got these loans to pay. Right. But, <laughs> okay. that's, that's a really nice revelation and everything. Yeah. But you, you're yeah, still like, in school. <laughs> exactly. I'm still going to pay school. these people back. I'm not the kind of person who, I mean, there are classmates of mine who figured it out and they left. And you look at them like, whoa, that was a bold move. It's like, we're lawyers, we're risk averse, frankly, right? Yeah, so... Okay. I definitely wasn't going to leave that process. I was going to finish school, but I really didn't know what I was going to do. That was going to feel, um, that was going to meet me where I was at and what I, and allow me to do what I wanted to do in life. So that began the journey. Um, I would try different things. I would take classes. I took creative writing classes at some point. I started different business ideas, just sort of very, very like early stage with create landing pages and try to get a sense of whether there's a market. Yeah. So I'll kind of leave it there. That's kind of the beginning of, am I going to be an entrepreneur and what that process felt like for me? So what did you do immediately upon graduation? I mean, how long did you go to a big firm? How long were you doing that? Yes, I went to a big firm. Um, my thought there was, okay, I'll do corporate law for a little while. Again, pay these loans out a bit <laughs> and use that time to uh, figure it out. Um, I was in corporate law at a big firm for about nine months before I thought, all right, this isn't even going to work. <laughs> like as an interim a solution, it's not, I just hate it so much. Really? So, what yeah. was it about it? 
So I think the two big things, one is like you, yes, you're making all this money, but you have sold your life to this firm. Um, they, they kind of own all your available time. <laughs> um, and they also, I just personally didn't feel like I was being treated with respect. I kind of felt like I was another person in the room who could do this kind of work. Not that I was Timmy Dio, the individual. Um, and I don't know. And then on top of that, it just felt like I'm in my twenties, like life is happening and I'm just sitting in this you know, office in the sky, <laughs> typing documents like this doesn't feel like my life. Um, so those are the three reasons that I really just felt quite frustrated about the place I was at. Um, so I was like I mentioned, I was taking some classes on the side when I could find available time. And I found, you know what, let me try to transition to another area of the law where one, maybe it'll work better for me. We'll keep testing, right? All about testing. And two, if it doesn't work, then maybe I will have more time to figure out what the next step is. And so um, at about a year and a half, I transitioned to a boutique law firm where I did public finance work. So, you know, when school districts want to raise money for infrastructure needs, they issue a bond and I was working on that kind of work. So very niche. I chose that firm because frankly, the people there were just incredible. And there was much more respect for the fact that you were a human who had a life. Oh, um, good. Yeah. <laughs> and that just made things a lot easier. Um, I think it was in that period that I really got to spend more time on mindset work and on testing things out and on learning to figure out what I was going to do longer term. get back to that mindset work because I think it's so important and also I know that you you really tapped into that need to let go of perfectionism to get where you are today so definitely want to revisit that but before we do talk to us about the day you had the aha moment of I think I want to create a children's line Yeah, so I was pregnant with my son, my first baby, and I was a pregnant person who was just buying everything for him. I was just, I was watching <laughs> all the YouTube Yeah, I was so excited. <laughs> I was like watching all the videos, reading all the blogs, making lots of lists of like the best things for baby. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, so like, let's find some things that, that allow me to bring Nigerian culture, African culture into his life. Like, where am I going to find that stuff? And I went to Etsy and looked around, didn't see anything that I loved. And then I kind of thought, okay, surprising. Let me see if there's stuff outside of Etsy. I went to Etsy first thinking that's kind of where creatives who are doing unique things um, sell their things. So looked outside of Etsy and was really surprised that I couldn't find what I was looking for, which was African prints and colors on soft fabric. So I would feel comfortable putting it on a baby. Um, that also felt like modern, right? That kind of met the modern aesthetic that I had. So that was the moment that thought, huh, this is strange. Like if you look at interior design, African aesthetic is big there right now. If you look at fashion, it's big there. There's a lot of respect and awareness happening right now that, you know, Africa has a lot to offer in these spaces. Right. Why isn't that happening for baby? Like that seems surprising. So that's where it started. Um, and I, and I think actually the exact moment I ordered something off of Etsy that was a onesie for an announcement. It kind of had like some writing on it to announce that you were pregnant. And I looked at the label and the person had just sort of ordered, you know, Carter's or Gerber or something like that and screen printed onto it and marked it up significantly. And I thought, all right. So 
<laughs> you know, and that's you what happens get, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could just like buy some onesies and you can <laughs> print something on <laughs> and you can like triple the, you know, maybe I try it that way. That's the process I had at the beginning. That's how it, yeah, the thought came up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's so interesting because you're absolutely right. Especially becoming a mom, this whole new world opens up where you've always seen bits and pieces of it, but you don't really pay attention. And you're like, wait a second, big baby, as my husband likes to call it, is huge. And us moms, we will joyfully walk right into these marketing traps <laughs> because we, <laughs> we love just catering for a baby. Um, so you have this idea and what I find really interesting and you know, what you really hit the nail on the head is this concept of the soft clothing, because yes, you'll find a lot of, I don't want to call it harsh, but stiffer, stiffer fabrics when it comes to like traditional um, Nigerian or African clothing, right? And more modern brands that have like that softer clothing is something relatively new, it seems. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's absolutely right. That I think is what Ade and I is doing that is exciting is, um, thinking, okay, let's apply that aesthetic, but bring it to the more softer fabrics so that you can feel comfortable putting it on a smaller baby, right? And then it also, I think the other thing I think about is when, you know, when you put a child in Ankara or some of our even more stiff fabrics, they're not really going to run around and play in that. That's more like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like we're going to church or yeah, it's like someone's wedding. It's like a very, and those are, there's definitely a moment for those things and those Mm -hmm. beautiful, but I thought, why can't we just have it be every day? Like, you know, if I pay $40 for these pants, I'm going to be nervous about him getting mud on them or whatever, when he crawls around, like, why don't we have something where he can just play? It's part of his life. And that just speaks to, he is of African descent and I want him to feel like that's normal. And it's just part of, Life. And yeah. I want him to see this each and every exactly. day. And it's just exactly. part of his life. All right. So I don't know about you, but I have lots of ideas all the time. And when it gets to the phase of, all right, how am I going to do that? Where do, where, where do I begin? That is where a lot of us have that roadblock and we just stop. We're like, well, we had that idea, but where am I going to find soft fabric? And where am I going to find someone who can put the print I want on soft fabric? Um, mm-hmm. How did you overcome that mental block? Yeah. So I'm based in the Bay Area and that means I'm close to Silicon Valley and I hear a lot of the way that they talk about business. And one big thing, this concept of a minimum viable product, which is like, let's minimize this idea into the simplest thing you can do that's low risk and you can just try it out and see if anybody cares. So that's how I was thinking. And that's why that that moment with the, the Gerber onesie that I got from Etsy was like, aha, because it allowed me to test this out, um, and just see what would happen. So my first version was I walked over or drove over to a print company nearby and I just sat with them and talked about the options. You know, how many would I have to order if I wanted to do a run with um, different designs? How would the designing work? How, what kind of print file do I have to give you? Those types of questions. Um, I also bought uh, a sewing machine actually and thought maybe I'll embroider them on. How would that look? I don't know how to sew. (laughs) So with like a needle and a thread, not with a machine. That quickly went away is not the way to go, but, but it was just tinkering at the beginning. Like, all right, Mm -hmm. what are the different options? Um, I had, so yeah, the very first version of this idea, I ended up finding uh, a website. I was not aware of drop shipping before this. And if you're in e-commerce, it's such a thing that people know about, but I wasn't in it. So, um, scouring the internet came across, 
okay, you can find a company out there that has an inventory of apparel. You kind of upload your digital file and then they print it and ship it out to the customer. You don't have to worry about inventory. You don't, you know, all you have to do is design the file and then market it. So that really took a lot of risk away from me and allowed me to test it out. That's what I started off with. Um, now the margins on that are not very good, but again, this was just an experiment to see if anybody would even be interested in the concept of this. Mm. So um, yeah, I think that's how I like took a very big idea and just brought it way, 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 way down. Yeah. <laughs> and, it out. yeah. and did you put up a Shopify store or did you just get it drop shipped via like WooCommerce or something? Like, let it, tell us a little yeah. bit more about what that process was like. Yeah, so I think my first, very first version of the, website was Squarespace. I had used Squarespace for tech ideas before. I had a few tech ideas and that goes back to your point about having an idea and not being able to actually execute. I would always get frustrated because I can't code. So I would be stuck on, you know, how am I going to actually get this built? But I had the experience of Squarespace. I used that. And then in researching, realized, okay, Shopify is definitely much better for e-commerce. So I moved over to Shopify. And I believe that the version of the website that actually had these products was on Shopify because it was a built-in app where you could link it to this dropshipping company. So that made it extremely easy to just set it up uh, on Shopify pretty quickly. What made you expand beyond dropshipping it? Yeah, so um, I I did all of this while pregnant, and then I paused. <laughs> so I I think I did like I did all the legwork and um, of creating these files, and that's a whole other story. We can get into if you want to, but then I put it all up and had my baby, and then I was focused on him for about six months. And, Understandably, right? <laughs> but in the back of my mind, there was this, you know my husband and I were talking like, are you going to go back to the firm? What is the plan? Do you want to spend time at home and working on Adanayo? Like there was, it was still in the ether. Um, and in order to answer the question a bit better, after about six months, I thought, okay, let's start picking this thing back up. And I ran some ads juice through Instagram. I promoted some Instagram posts and linked them over to the website. Side note, anybody knows anything about ads, promoting posts is not the way to go. <laughs> but again, I was new and didn't know what I was doing. So um, I remember the first two weeks in March, I got a couple of sales from strangers and mm -hmm. I was just over, I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe that people I didn't know actually purchased this thing. And that for me was like, okay, it was only two sales, <laughs> but I was very, very encouraged by that. Um, and it really kind of put the fire under me to think about, all right, what's the next version of this and how do I go from there? So a couple of things. So were you on maternity leave at this point? Yes, I was on maternity leave. And you were um, contemplating was, whether you were going back or not? I did. I was. And I did decide to go back, actually. So the plan was I'll be back at the firm. I'll work on Idea and I on the side until it has enough traction for me to transition over. Now, um, fortunately or unfortunately, about three weeks after returning to work from attorney leave, I was furloughed from my firm. I mentioned earlier that they have government clients. And so once COVID hit... Um, this was all last year. So once COVID okay. hit in March, um, their clients just couldn't sustain the transaction level that they used to have. And so that the firm couldn't afford to hire to keep me on. Um, and their their goal was to be able to hire me back when things changed. But I really took that as a sign that it was time for me to just focus on a day in aisle, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Now, um, I want to talk a little bit about the financial, mm-hmm. um, you know, of making that decision. But before that, so a lot of things were kind of, it seems almost seamless in the way it was set up. But I know it mm. probably wasn't, right? It seems like you had your website up, you had designs. How did you hustle to get this up while you were pregnant? I mean, did you put up a simple site? Is it the site that we see now? Yeah, so I w- definitely wasn't seeing this. I think you're right. In describing it, it can sound like one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> definitely <Right. was> not- <laughs> no way. Um, I mean, even getting the designs was a challenge. So to answer your question, no, the website I have now is definitely not the one I had at the beginning. This is a website that's actually probably a couple of months old at this point. Even the website I launched with is different than what I have right now. So we're keeping, we keep iterating and um, improving on the site. Um, in terms of like the early, early days, so the very version, very first version of the website was super simple. I used the template Shopify website and I just added my, like I made a logo off of a free logo site, just had a denial on it. I actually think the first logo I made it in, um, is it paint? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, super basic. Like if you scroll down. Guys, our... this is what I'm saying. No one cares yeah. about the logo. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it, it can matter later, but at the right. beginning, you're just testing, you know, just, just start. So I made something on paint to create the prints. I, um, I actually purchased some cloth from Amazon and there was like different strips of Ankara. Then I purchased a crew cut machine, which is a machine that people use usually for like hobbying and scrapbooking and allows you to cut things into shapes. So I would find a silhouette for what I wanted the design to be. I was doing an animal print series. So I would look for a giraffe silhouette. I'd upload that into the crew cut software. I would then put the fabric into the machine and it would cut the fabric into that shape. Then I would take a photo. <laughs> Do you see how this <laughs> I take a photo of the cut fabric and then wow. I would Photoshop. Innovation, guys. <laughs> like I learned how to you like take the photo and take away the background of the photo. Um, now Canva does that for you very easily. I didn't know about Canva. Um, so yeah, I did all of those steps to create the file that I could then upload into the dropshipping website. So it's it definitely, and you're right, I was pregnant. I think for me at that point I was working, I was, I slowed down at work. I had more time. And I also was just so eager to do this. I thought this idea was really important to have in the world. I needed something that I could pour creative energy into. I hadn't been doing that for a very long time. Um, I also would say that I think I was positioned for this. I had been doing a lot of work on general learning around marketing, around entrepreneurship, right? I didn't have the specific idea earlier on, but I was doing a lot of thinking and working for years before Adenayo came around. So it all came to fruition with this and I was able to apply a lot, a lot of things I was learning to this idea. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. Many thanks to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode. No matter what 2021 brings, you can spend it creating something meaningful with Skillshare's online classes because time is what we make of it. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. You can explore classes on marketing, freelance and entrepreneurship, graphic design, and so much more. I just checked out this really cool class called Creativity Unleashed. Discover, hone, and share your voice online 
it was right on time and what I needed because it guides you through how to determine your individual value as a creator, how to overcome those insecurities that hold us back from creating content, and how to establish your core theme and more. It was also important as I grow as a content creator. With Skillshare, you can find inspiration as well and learn how to express your creativity. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash hustle and get a free trial of premium membership. Again, Side Hustle Pro listeners, head over to Skillshare.com slash hustle to get a free trial of premium membership. If you own a small business, this could also be the year you switch to a better payroll. Gusto wasn't just built for small businesses, it was built for the people behind them. Their online payroll is so easy to use. Gusto can automatically calculate paychecks and file all your payroll taxes, which means you have more time to run your business. Plus, Gusto does way more than payroll. Gusto helps with time tracking, health insurance, 401ks, onboarding, commuter benefits, offer letters, access to HR experts, you get the idea. It's super easy to set up and get started. And if you're moving from another provider, they can transfer all of your data for you. It's no surprise that 94% of customers are likely to recommend Gusto. Here's the best part. Because you are a Side Hustle Pro listener, you get three months totally free. All you have to do is go to gusto.com SHP. Again, that's gusto.com SHP. I'm telling you, you're going to love Gusto. Get started today. Another thing that what you're saying reminds me of is that when you get bit by this creative energy, like like when what you're doing excites you, you have to lean into that. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen next, but any time that you can be pulled by the force of just excitement, just happiness, when you see a result from doing something, there's something there. There's something there. Um, so you are following that something. And then after having your son decide to go ahead and pursue this and, and put all your focus onto it, um, what were your financial plans when making that decision? What went into that decision particularly? Like, were you giving yourself a certain amount of time to make a certain amount to prove that, okay, this is something that has longevity? Talk to us about that. Sure. Yeah. So I would say like there was the initial plan and then furlough happened and the plan changed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when, when I was furloughed from my job and it was kind of like, okay, are you going to go back into the job market in the middle of a pandemic and try to get another job you don't want? Or are you going to give this thing a chance? Um, the analysis <laughs> there was, what is our runway, right? So how much of our savings are we willing to put into this? How long can we go without me working, right? We live in the Bay Area, so things are pretty costly here. I was able to get some assistance because it was, because it was a COVID-related job loss. I was able to furlough some of our student loans and mortgage. So things like that helped extend the runway, but we definitely had math going on to decide like, all right, at what point, if this thing is not getting traction, do you need to go back? And, and what are you going to go back to? All of that were discussions my husband and I were having before I really jumped into it. And I am. Thank you for sharing that because those conversations have to happen, right? Like none of us are just upping and quitting our job or moving away from a potential job coming back without really analyzing, okay, what will this look like financially? Exactly. Um, 
So what were the next steps to really start growing at ANIO? The next step after I decided, or after I received some feedback, those two sales and then more sales would trickle in from people who I, you know, didn't know personally, was to figure out how do you put together a collection, right? So again, the problem we're trying to solve is like bringing these African prints to softer fabric. And my initial approach to that was I had a connection to somebody based in South Africa and um, a friend of mine connected me to her and she had a factory there. And so I went into a conversation with her and we talked about whether she could source softer African fabrics, what those would feel like, what we could do with them. Um, that ended up not panning out in part because the pandemic you know, prevented us from being able to have her send samples or, you know, test things out as much as we would have liked to. So I had to find another solution. The solution I came up with was twofold. So on the one hand, I was sourcing, I was looking for potential manufacturers through Alibaba and online Googling, just trying to find people overseas who made baby clothes. And then on the other hand, I had to find these prints, right? Since I wasn't going to be using prints that were being created in Africa, I had to find digital versions of prints and figure out how to get them printed onto fabric that I wanted. So all of that was quite a process, you know, staying up late after the baby went down and, and doing all this research and um, talking to suppliers. And I found a couple of um, dig uh, graphic designers that I could work with and get them to create images based on inspiration that I was sending them. So that's how the two pieces then fit together and then went through sampling processes with some manufacturers, eliminated most of them out of that process and landed on the one that I worked with for the last collection. Do you have any tips on finding graphic designers or finding manufacturers when you're starting from a place of absolutely no knowledge about this world? Yeah, it's it is it is challenging. So for the graphic designers, there are so many places to look. Where I started was something called Spoonflower, which is a website where graphic designers upload their images and then um, people can purchase fabric through Spoonflower. Now, I didn't want to purchase the fabric through them, but I did go to see if I could figure out which graphic designers on their platform were already doing work that seemed similar to what I wanted. And then I would initiate conversations with those designers and talk about custom work. So that's one potential approach. You know, you could also look on Upwork um, and they're all often graphic designers on there. And you can kind of look at their portfolio and see if it matches what you want. I also find people through Instagram. So one thing, Instagram can be such a wealth of knowledge and information, oh, honestly. I, <laughs> I love Instagram it is, for everything and oh anything my under the sun. <laughs> yeah, it's a little scary how helpful it is. Right. So like, where, it's you know, where I found you. <laughs> good to know. Yeah, like I'm yeah. not surprised. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think I would like follow accounts of people often like people who are doing interior design or fashion with African prints. And then I would look in the comments and see who was commenting. And then I would follow the person, you know, it's like it becomes like a web, but you eventually land on, oh my gosh, this is a designer doing this really cool stuff. I'm going to ping them. So that's um, a third approach that I would say. On the manufacturing side, definitely something you have to spend a lot of time with, I will say. Um, I was doing all of my process in a very condensed time frame. So I remember talking to somebody at the beginning of this process and asking, okay, like how much would it cost and how long would it take? And they're like, okay, well, if you want to develop a onesie pattern, which is what they use to sew the 
clothes. You would need $18,000 just for that process to develop the pattern. And it would take oh. five months. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's it. Oh, what are you smoking? <laughs> exactly. Like, just copy. Why do I have to create one from scratch? Why am I paying you $20,000 to create a one? You know, so there's so much variance in what you can do. The key that I needed to test this out was I needed a manufacturer who already made baby clothes. So I wouldn't have to go through that pattern making process with them. And that's where I went to Alibaba. You can see so many there. Um, I would also search like, you know, clothing manufacturer for babies based in X country and kind of look at the search results. Um, It takes time because there's so much out there. There's a lot that isn't very good, frankly. Mm -hmm. So you really have to be patient and have the conversations and get the samples and tweak it and go back and forth. Right. Yeah. So. And is there any kind of language barrier? I mean, when you're reaching out to people, they're based in China, right? Yeah. So I'm currently talking to people who are in China and India. So far, it's been actually, I think because they are positioning themselves for export trade, right? They're hiring people who are, you know, fairly strong English speakers. So I haven't had too much difficulty. They're, they're not going to be speaking perfect English, but we definitely get by and understand each other very well. Now that we know the actual process of getting it to market, let's talk about the marketing, right? Let's talk about that Instagram and all the other ways you have used to grow the customer base. What has been most effective for you? Yeah, I would say Instagram and Facebook, I would say are most effective. I've tested out like Google search. And I think because our product isn't something people are looking for, they don't really know it exists yet. And it's also very visually appealing. Like if you, if you like this kind of aesthetic, once you see it, you love it, right? So places where we can show you what we're doing have been really doing well for us. Yeah. So that means that, for example, my advertising is doing pretty well in terms of like the return when it comes to more visual platforms like Instagram and Facebook. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. I am working on other marketing channels that are going to allow me to re-engage with people and looking into Google shopping because there you still have the visuals, but it's for people who are searching for baby clothes. You maybe reach a different audience. So definitely looking to pivot and expand how we're reaching people. But right now we're getting a lot of great traction with paid ads on Facebook and Instagram. And with the investments in advertising and ramping up marketing that way, what have you seen as far as the growth of your revenue? Yeah, it's been, again, so we launched October, 2020. So we've only been around about four and a half months in terms of like with this full collection. So we don't have too much data to look at, but we have been growing pretty well month over month and we're not spending that much relatively on ads. We're still kind of being conservative on that side. What what is conservative when it comes to- (laughs) Well, so for example, like, you know, there are people spending like tens of thousands. We're, We're spending about- between 70 to 100 per day on our ads. And we're doing that for as long as it's getting a pretty good result. And that's, so ads are something you do need to be careful about. So I took a couple of courses in Facebook ads and I also did this program they had over last summer through Elevate, which is their arm of Facebook advertising that's meant to empower black owned businesses. So I was able to partner up with somebody who worked at Facebook and really learn the ins and outs of how to run ads there. And I say all that to say, like, it allowed me to test out. I started off with like $5 a day, $10 a day, you know, and I would only increase it if I was seeing return 
because you can get into a, a dangerous situation where you're just spending on ads and it kind of gets out of control. So we've ramped up to this point because we're continuing to see that it does work for us. And as we're trying to figure out the other marketing channels, it is the way to kind of keep the company growing. So, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that as with advertising, I totally agree. And you really want to get a master of what you're doing with a smaller budget before you jump into the tens of thousands and, and you know, just assume like, oh, if we if we spray it, it will come. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I hope this episode, I really wanted this to be encouraging for people um, as we're getting into 2021 there's a lot more I think trepidation around launching given mm -hmm. how 2020 was and here here you are like you launched a business in the middle of the pandemic you know mm -hmm. what was your mentality going into that and how were you able to get over that fear of like the world is out of control right now what am I even doing <laughs> yeah yeah that's a very good question I do look back at myself like how did you do that <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah I think I think it's a couple a few things for for me so I again was in a position of like seeking we haven't dived into the mindset work but I've been doing a lot of work around my belief systems around failure around creativity around what I could accomplish so again, I, I grew up with this like very, you know, focused view of a career being one of three options, um, you know, something that provides you with stability and prestige, frankly. And when I landed into the space that I did and I was at, I got to Yale Law School, it's like, okay, you did it. You have arrived and it didn't feel right. It really undermined all of my assumptions about myself and who I was. And it really kind of threw me for a loop. So I had to reanalyze myself and ask, how did you get here? What decisions did you make where you, you didn't listen to yourself and you kind of let somebody else drive the wheel for you? Like I mentioned, failure and creativity were big things for me. So around the failure is like, you know, you made this choice that didn't work for you in the past. How can you trust yourself to make the right choice later? That was a big one for me. I talked to my therapist and be like, I don't know how I'm supposed to believe anything that I want to do in future because I was felt so strongly about getting to, you know, this law school and I got there and it was not for me. So how am I supposed to trust myself? And then the second one was, you know, you've only ever done analytical thinking, you know, you've only ever done things that are pretty rigorous and, and rigid and, and don't really give room for creative exploration. How do you know you can do that? So to address both of those concerns, I really dove into reading and listening to people who were in the spaces that I wanted to be in. I've heard something that says like, you're the makeup of the five people closest to you, right? Or the five friends you spend time with. And most of my friends were in similar career path as I was. And so I had to jump into creating that community for myself online and with podcasts and books. So that's a lot of the work was like listening to people talk about different ways that you, you can succeed that are from more creative paths. Like I remember being, my mind being blown listening to your podcast, for example, and just hearing people succeed doing things that I thought were just so cool. And I was like, that's an option? Like what? Wow. You know? yeah. so, like just years of that, years of um, therapy, frankly, and like 
learning that I can trust myself, that I didn't make a mistake, quote unquote, by going down the path that I made. I was doing what I thought was best for me and I'm going to do that again in the future. And as I learn and grow, what's best for me will change, but I'm always going to, you know what I mean? So there's like all of that work that I was doing. So when it came to 2020 and it was like, all right, yes, the world is going crazy right now, but I felt such clarity about Adenayo that I wasn't actually the fact that it was happening in the middle of a pandemic wasn't even really a factor. Um, It was, it actually almost felt like, okay, things are going crazy. So now is actually a good time to just try something a little different. And if it doesn't work out, you can always say, well, (laughs) I got furloughed and I took some time to be with my baby. You know, you can create a story around it that works (laughs) and kind of jump back to the traditional path if you want. You know, so like that was there too. It was like, this is actually a kind of a good time since everybody is confused about what's happening (laughs) to just use that confusion to test something out and see. And then I also would say, yes, things were crazy, but we were seeing e-commerce balloon. So I wasn't too concerned that if I tried something out, if there was going to be traction, this was going to be a time to find that traction, right? People were looking to shop online. They were not able to spend on outings and travel as much as they used to. I love that you mentioned and were transparent enough to share some of those things that you had to work through and are working through in therapy about trusting yourself and unlearning beliefs about yourself because it's so true in terms of in order to forge through in a path like this, all of us have to do some unlearning. I've had people reach out to me after, you know, I just shared this side hustle pro boot camp to kick off the year about just helping people learn what's in my head that helps me to act on my side hustle ideas. And people still have reached out to me like I've listened to every episode. I hear all your tips, but I just still can't act. And mm-hmm. I know, and what I shared in the last episode of the boot camp is like, there comes a point I can share all my tips, but then the rest is, is on you. And so whether it's this work of unpacking the limiting beliefs, which a lot of times comes down to two, that one of not trusting yourself or not thinking you're worthy mm-hmm. of being able to pull off this idea. And so those things, I encourage us all to continue to work through because it happens to me too, you know, that like, can I do this? I don't have any experience in this. <laughs> what makes me think I can do that? Let's continue to push through those beliefs. Now, moving forward, how are you ensuring that your business will be profitable and that you'll continue to grow? Yes, that's um, yeah, that's definitely something that involves a lot of getting into my data and analytics, something that is frankly a weak point of mine and I'm learning, <laughs> learning to be stronger at. So really understanding what's working for us and how do we leverage those things and keep doing those things? What doesn't work? Why do those things work and not work? But, you know, understanding like the motivations behind people's choices. Um, I'm also getting really, I'm trying to be really active with the community that we are creating, particularly on Instagram and getting feedback about things before we launch new things because we are a product-based business and we are really trying to create um, accessible design we end up having to place pretty large orders. So before doing that, I want to make sure that I'm understanding what's going to work best for what people want, basically. So those are some things. And then just being really intentional about spend. I'm still running most things. Um, I have learned to outsource 
things that require expertise. I got some help for our fulfillment because that was taking so much time. So there are there are things that I'm learning to release, but in general, I am trying to stay as lean as possible so that we can really keep funneling everything that we're earning back into the business to give it room to grow. And at this stage, is the business self-sustainable? Is it something where your savings are still kind of helping it to grow or is it starting to make some of that money back? It is making the money back, which is really exciting. Um, we've made back the initial investment that we put into the first collection awesome. and it's it's cash flow. But yeah, it's it's like my mind is blown again. I just can't believe <laughs> that I, you know, the lawyer could do this. Um, so it's cash flow positive. However, like I said, because we are a product-based business, we're about to be putting a bunch of money into inventory. So when those things happen, you end up still having to kind of like pull more money together to put it in and then wait a few months for that to come back. So we're still learning what that cadence is going to be for the business. That's how I describe where we're at. How do you as parents juggle being in a pandemic, having a baby to take care of, being quarantined and running this business and also particularly the customer service aspect. Yeah, this is where I think um, my mom, when I was working as a lawyer, would say, you know, there there are going to be things from this career that you're going to you're going to use later. And I kept being like, what do you mean? This is so far, far afield from what I want to do. It's impossible. Honestly, I think like customer service, for example, is one big area where being at a law firm has proven to be an extreme asset. I am it's built into my hardware now to be extremely responsive, to be kind of always aware um, of what people are asking and, and being able to meet their needs. You just have to perfect your high quality service skills as an attorney. So that I feel is actually, yes, it takes time, but I, I do enjoy it and it doesn't feel too cumbersome for me right now. In terms of balancing everything as a wife and mom in a pandemic, I don't think I have the balance yet. Um, it is very, very challenging. It's There are times where I will just go, go, go and, and burn myself out, frankly. And I've had a couple of moments in the last you know year and a half where I thought, am I having a breakdown? And then I'll say, well, if you are asking yourself if you're having a breakdown, you're probably not having a breakdown. So it's probably okay for now, but it, it has gotten to that point. That's not healthy. So I am endeavoring and trying to be better about rest and balance. I've you know, lately been better about when I'm with baby, I'm with baby. When I'm with husband, I'm with husband. You know, like, what does that mean? How do I separate myself from this thing that's really exciting for me, which is the business and kind of give it its time to give everything else its time as well. And then where's my time, right? Where do I, where do I go to get refilled? How do I create routines for myself? So those are all works in progress. Um, one big thing that has really moved the needle is being more willing to get help. When I was in that period before returning to Adenayo, where I was just full on with baby, I wasn't really letting other people help me with him. Um, I kind of thought of myself as like, you're his mom, you're going to do everything he needs. And obviously that was not going to work long-term. Um, it was wonderful bonding at the time, but it has been incredibly helpful to release and to see that other people can give my son things I can sometimes, and that's okay. And and also, I also can enjoy being away from him <laughs> and that can be good for both of us, right? So like learning to let go and let other people help has been another important part. Amen to that. <laughs> so what is next for Ade and Ayo? 
Next Friday and I, we have so many things that we're working on. Um, we have a spring and summer collection that will be launching hopefully in a few months. So that's going to be exciting. I'm going to be expanding the sizes that we offer and the styles of clothing. I'm really excited about that. I'm also looking to enter into different product areas. So really like Adenayo's vision is bringing the African aesthetic to all parts of baby's life so that it's easy for children of African descent to see African beauty around them and children of non-African descent to learn about African culture and respect and, and appreciate it. So to me, that means like, what are all the different categories that I can enter into? And that's part of what this year is going to be is exploring the options and, and testing out different products. That's awesome. I can't wait to see what else I need to buy. <laughs> All right. So now we are going to jump into a quick lightning round. You know the deal. You're just going to answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. So number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Yes. So um, one that I haven't heard before, but it has been really helpful for me is Facebook groups that are full of entrepreneurs. There's one, in spe one specifically called Product Bosses. Um, it has been so helpful. I learned so much from asking questions there or just watching other people ask and receive, you know, answers to their questions. So number two, what has been the best business book that has directly helped you with your business? Yes. One I read that I learned so much from was called The E-Myth. That's E and then M-Y-T-H. And I loved it because it spoke about often entrepreneurs are people who have a great idea or a skill set and they just want to be able to share that with the world, but they don't think about the systems they have to create to be able to scale that. So I read that early on in, in kind of developing Idea and IO and it has kept me in the frame of mind of how would I systematize this so that as I'm growing, other people can be brought on board to help me accomplish that task. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your daily routine? I really, really like to wake up and have the first thought be something of gratitude. That helps me shape my entire day. Uh, and I have found it to be really helpful. Aside from that, I also like to get some kind of movement in in the morning. So yoga or running or something, even if it's just for 10 minutes. And number four, what is a personal habit that helps you significantly in your business? I would say being ready to learn. Um, I think that just puts me in a posture of like, again, receiving what's out there and looking for information and trying things out. Um, I think that's been immensely helpful. Number five, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about betting on themselves? Take one step. It doesn't have to be a big one. Take a small step. Break down whatever idea you have into really, really small steps and start taking them. And if you enjoy it, momentum is going to build and you're going to want to take bigger steps. Love that. Love that. And then finally, where can people connect with you after this show? Yes. Yeah, so um, our website, Adeanayo, is A D E. A-N-D-A-Y-O dot com. And then we're also on Instagram at Ade and Ayo. Um, so we'd love to see you there. Well, Tammy Dayo, it was awesome, awesome to have you in the guest chair. And you guys, there you have it. Head over to sidehustlepro.co slash episodes for all of the show notes 
from this episode, including the helpful links and resources that Tammy Dio mentioned. Thanks so much for joining and I'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.